The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello once again. Welcome to another edition of the TOST Toddcast with Coach Q right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. I'm Todd Bloniars alongside Belmont High School head football coach Jan Kuman. The 2017 season is winding down, so a reminder to our listeners that there isn't much time left if you want to send questions in for the coach. And lo and behold, we actually have a question tonight. I know. Tonight. I'm really we excited. We are going to get to it a little later in the show. Just uh, if, you, if you have a question for the coach, log into Twitter and be sure to use the hashtag <laughs> Q's4Q. That's Q-S-F-O-R-Q. And we want to thank the uh, – we'll thank him again later. We'll thank who sent in our, uh, our question this week. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Q underscore Coach along with BHS Football at Marauder F-Ball. And our timeout for Sports Talk Twitter handle is at T-O-S-T-B-M-C. You can – also become a fan of our show by following us on Facebook and searching Time Out for Sports Talk. Well, Coach, uh, first of all, congratulations. You officially now have a winning streak. Thank you. Two in a row. Thank you. <laughs> in, the words of the, in the words of the late, great, immortal Lou Brown from, from Major League, I think we'll, we'll reserve streak talk until we get three. Um, you know, as Lou Brown said, we, we won yesterday and we won today. We win again tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. <laughs> yes. Okay. So what? So by uh, Ma- Manager Brown's definition, this is not two in a row. This is two in a row. It's only two. Okay. Well, still a nice win against Burlington. Uh, for those of us who could not be there, uh, host included here, uh, <laughs> we want you to uh, give us a little recap of uh, some of the highlights and things that stood out uh, that you were most impressed with from the win. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a back and forth game. You know, we knew that uh, Burlington is a team that's been able to score some points in the in the season, and and they've had a little bit of trouble on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, similarly to Cambridge the week before, we kind of wanted to make sure that we controlled clock and controlled the ball. Um, it was a back and forth game for the most part of it. I mean, they had they scored three consecutive touchdowns in the end of the first quarter, into the second, uh, to make it nineteen seven. Um, they scored their first off of a long run missed tackle. Uh, then they pooch kicked and recovered, scored again on that possession. Um, and then we were unable to convert and they drove the field and scored again. So it was 19 to seven with, um, I don't know, probably about six or six minutes or so, seven minutes or so left in the, in the second quarter. Um, and we were able to, uh, sustain a great drive all the way down the field, mixing it up. Uh, Pollock got in for his second touchdown of the day that made it 1914. For us, we kind of felt that was a that was a tie. We knew we were getting the ball to uh, start the third, and uh, we were able to score on our first possession. And it was kind of back and forth the rest of the way. And then we were obviously able to put one in with Reynolds. He scored two in the second half, and then we stopped him up. Great defensive stand at the end of the game uh, to get the ball back to our offense, who was able to bleed timeouts, and and then we took a knee on the eight. So it, it was a it was a strong win. You know, I think we gave him some opportunities. Um, a couple of their, at least one of their touchdowns was, you know, a short field touchdown on the back of a pooch kick. So we never liked to see that would have liked it to be a little bit, a little bit, uh, wider of a victory margin than it was. Um, but we're happy. A win is a win and, and, and we're happy with that. 
Well, one of the common bonds I'm seeing from both of these wins is uh, the rushing, uh, the running game has is, is definitely uh, been the uh, the modus operandi here. I mean, what's been kind of working for you guys uh, in these two games? I mean, you uh, were averaging uh, about five yards, a, over five yards a carry, ran for 277 yards, uh, only passed for 93. So again, yep. was uh, Burlington's defense kind of similar to Cambridge's in the fact that you, th- you thought you could exploit them more on the ground? Yeah, I mean, historically. Historically, throughout the season, they've been a little bit weaker against the run, you know, and and they have some really talented athletes in their defensive secondary and an outside linebacker. And, um, you know, so we kind of said, let's try to keep it away from that a little bit and and run to their weakness, you know, and play to their weakness instead of trying to play into their strength. Um, But. Yeah, so I mean, we 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 had some good things going in our eye game that we were able to build off of from Cambridge. We were able to to refine a couple of things and and I think play a, a better game up front than we did against Cambridge. Burlington's a better defense than Cambridge's was, more disciplined defense than Cambridge's was. So we had to execute better, um, and we were able to mix some stuff up in the pass game. It was also a tremendously windy night, like really really windy. One of their pooch kicks, they recovered two. The second that they recovered was a deeper pooch kick that literally hit a wall of wind and moved backwards on the kickoff. It kicked up into the air to about the maybe the 40 or the 35 and then hit a wall and bounced back to about the 45 in the air and hit the ground. It was kind of... Which kind of, I guess, allowed them to recover? Yeah, I mean, it was up there. It got held up there for a long time. I mean, we didn't do a great job on the pooch recovery ourselves, but um, it it was kind of a different... A different kick so you know we couldn't really throw the ball in the fourth we were going right into a really stiff wind uh and even going you know with the wind um it was just catching balls and sailing it a little bit so we were kind of forced to stick a little more to when we did throw to our dink and dunk a little bit um and threw effectively in the red zone uh, it was a really nice kind of compliment to to bang and bang 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 and then all of a sudden go and spread out and uh run a little bit of our quick pass and our screen game down inside the 10. Yeah, you know, one of the misconceptions I think that comes up maybe for for some of the average football fans out there is that when it is windy, sometimes if you think you have the wind at your back, well, we could throw the ball deep because the quarterback's got the wind at his back, but a lot of times, you know, the quarterback's used to throwing with no wind, so when you have that wind, like you said, the balls tend to sail. Yeah, I mean, I think throwing in the wind is a lot, it's like playing golf, you know, I mean, you've got to account for what the wind is doing, and you've got to make sure that you're, you know, you're putting the ball into spots that the wind is your friend, and not not your enemy and and that's a really difficult thing to do I mean I'm not I'm not a great golfer so I love to play I'm not very good um so who is know, I know that yeah I know that I know that frustration you know of, of hitting a shot that you think is just a great shot and then all of a sudden you see a gust of wind take it and you didn't you didn't account for that so um I thought George did a really good job of, of controlling the ball and keeping it safe and and he hit some big throws when he needed to and um you know a little bit shy of 100 yards but um I thought he had a good day throwing the ball too Sure, you know he threw the two touchdown passes to uh, to Pollock. Uh, did not get sacked and throw a pick. So yeah, very uh, efficient. You know, efficient game, uh, you know, for George Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, back to your running backs. Uh, another good week for Tyler Reynolds, leading the way with 172 yards. Also 31 of uh, the 51 carries. You mentioned he scored a couple touchdowns. Uh, have you really seen him over the you know these last few weeks? Kind of just find something extra there that's uh, really helped him improve his game. Yeah, I think that that. I mean, I give a lot of credit to Ty, you know, because he kind of got off to a to a slow start, and I don't think that it was the start that he expected um, 
of himself necessarily. He's a kid that has very high expectations for himself. You know, he, he really expects him, he expects himself to be dominant. And I love that about him. I love that he expects to be the guy, um, you know, you need that level of confidence to be a marquee back. And, and he is a marquee back. He's our marquee back. Um, I think that earlier in the season, he spent some time kind of, I wouldn't necessarily say hesitant, but looking for kind of, perfect seams to run the ball um once we kind of got to the point where he understands that very rarely do those exist and you need to hit play design and react off of that that's when he really started seeing the success that he's seen not just in the last two wins but in the weeks prior too. he had a couple of good rushing games I mean he ran the ball I thought pretty well for us I believe against Winchester um, he ran the ball decently for us against Arlington, and then he broke out, obviously, against Cambridge and Burlington. Um, he's running downhill hard. He's hitting his hole, you know, and, and his second-level cut has been extraordinary in the last two weeks. I mean, he had a shake-and-bake run against Cambridge on a C-gap power run that was just one of the best cuts I've seen in, in this year, definitely. And, um, and he had a, another really nice kind of – jump to the outside, set up a toss, suck the linebacker inside of the inside of the lead with a little bit of hesitation and then jump cut it and took off. And that was a big, you know, 30-yard gainer that brought us down into the red zone on our first possession. So um, I'm really proud of him. He's been grinding hard and working his butt off, and uh, he's seeing results from that. Yeah, we'll be interested to hear his take. Uh, you know, we're hoping yeah, to get all the captains in here. in here for our Thanksgiving show. And, of course, speaking of uh, senior captains, uh, nice to see the return of uh, one back after a few weeks uh, out. Uh, that would be Adam Deese. Uh, yeah. Must have been great seeing him just back out there uh, being part of the team again and, and making plays. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, Adam coming back out to practice. He he got the okay on Wednesday, um, had a sprained, uh, a slight MCL tear. You know, that was the that was the diagnosis way back in Reading. Um, you know, we've been calling it a lower body injury until he'd recovered from it. Um, he's recovered. <laughs> now we can officially find yeah. out what it is. Um, <laughs> and that was a tough injury because, right. as we talked about, it wasn't a play injury. It was after the play. A kid got kind of shoved, tripped up on, fell, fell right onto his knee. Adam was on the bottom of the pile at a goal line, and you could see it on film. His knee just bends in a way that it shouldn't. Uh, copped the slight tear, did a did a lot of work to get himself back onto the football field. You know, he he's a kid. He didn't want a season to end. He wanted to be able to get back out there and you know put the maroon on, uh, even if it was just one more time. You know, with his with his brothers, and so uh, DC trotting out to practice on on Wednesday for the first time, and and it was a special moment for him and a special moment for our guys, and I'm really happy that. You know, he's getting the opportunity to play in, in three games to end his season. You know, from a, for us, from a defensive perspective, I mean, it's great. We, we limited him on offense. It's his first week back. He hasn't played in four weeks. You know, he wanted to get back to being comfortable carrying the ball. So, you know, we played him at linebacker um, the entire game and then uh, put him back in at fullback in the second half, uh, primarily as a blocking back, although he did have a big conversion carry for us late in the game so it was really awesome to, to to get Adam back out there he's done a ton of work as a football player he's got a very bright football future ahead of him um, and I'm just happy that he gets to close out his senior season on the field instead of on the sideline 
Yeah, he's going to get to play uh, not just one, but now uh, two, hopefully three more games three more. Uh, here at the end, uh, or as there, well, two more, two after, more now. after this yeah, one, two right? More now. But, uh, you know, you, you mentioned this at the beginning of the year. I mean, you know, having Deese in your defense is just, you know, he's probably just as important there, if not more important, and what a key piece he is. Talk about uh, your team's, you know, just overall defensive effort, what you thought of uh, against uh, Burlington. Yeah, I mean, I was most proud that, uh, you know, Coach Pereira and Coach Barge, and they're the two guys who've really been driving the defense, and uh, it's been an up-and-down year for our defense. Um, I was really proud that they made some legitimate adjustments at halftime that needed to be made, both personnel adjustments and scheme adjustments, in order to defend what was working for Burlington, which was post-corner routes from the slot. Uh, we got burnt both of those touchdowns. The, not the first was a run. The next two were were – Pocos, as we call them, where uh, the slot receiver fakes in on a post and then bites to the corner. Um, we made some good schematic adjustments to protect against that, we thought. Um, I got up on the, you know, I've been coaching the D-line the last couple of weeks, so I got up on the defensive line to kind of start getting some cheesecake, getting some sacks as we talk about it, and you play with their hands. And uh, Coach Barge made some great adjustments in the defensive secondary, and Coach P made some great adjustments in the general scheme and the linebacking core, and we were able to play a much more solid defensive second half that enabled us to win the game. We got a great interception at the end of the first by Justin Rocha in the end zone. Um, Are you peeking at my notes? <laughs> yeah, well, I saw it there. Um, yeah, maybe. that's all right. You know, there's a great photo of him uh, out there on yeah. uh, one of the uh, one of the websites. It doesn't need to be publicized here, but uh, you know, but the local website, you know where the to find local it. Page. the Belmont fans know where to go go. find that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, no, Roach um, had a big pick, and then um, you know, Mike Shea, who didn't start. Um, we went with another kid based on what we thought we were going to see, and had some issue there, and uh, Mike you know, went into play the second half and he ended up having um, a strip a strip sack on fourth down in the fourth quarter to give the ball back to our offense after we had taken the 26-25 lead and, and that's what enabled us to convert two first downs and bleed the clock. So he had a he had a that was set up by a noon sack right before that on third down. So you know it was really good to see that pressure getting there and I'm proud of Coach P and I'm proud of Bargy um, for just making adjustments you know we talk a lot as coaches about the, the kids play we think you know that's our job is is not to scream about what's happening oh, you're getting beat on a poco well, he knows that he, he was there right um and, and and dave and hakeem did this great job of like they were frustrated by it but saying okay you know, we need to fix that. We don't need to scream about what happened. We need to make an adjustment that is going to provide an answer to stop this. They're two young coaches, you know, in their mid-20s. Um, great to see them have that level of emotional maturity and, and uh, football IQ and intelligence to make functional adjustments that work. Um, and I was missing my, my role dog on the offensive side of the ball because Coach Avery, who's our wide receivers coach and is my 1A, uh, got – got married on Saturday. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah, so he's, he's, he's actually out for this week. They're in Jamaica right now on their honeymoon. Oh, very um, nice. So, you know, and to be fair, before everybody You did start, get to the wedding on Saturday. It was Saturday? I was not I was not invited. Oh, um, okay. Wow. Not out of a slight. They had a very small Numbers, kind right? of family oh, okay. wedding. Yeah. Um, he and, and now his wife, Monique. Um, and, and we've lost Alex for, for the next week or so. And before he signed on to coach he had 
this was already the date was already set, so we knew this was coming. Um, I texted him on Thursday and Friday, just you know, I miss you. You know, I, it's funny, coaches are creatures of habit, you know. So I kind of Alex is my personnel guy, and he's coordinating all of our personnel shifts, and he's like right over my left shoulder usually every single play call. So I kept kind of going, you know, turning over my left to ask something of Alex, and he wasn't there, and it was kind of this like ah oh, moment. Um, but you know, I didn't. I didn't have him, and so I had. That was more work for me on the offensive side of the ball, in the sense that a lot of times when we switch series, I can clock in with the defense because Alex is communicating with our offensive guys to get information to feedback to me, and we didn't have him, so that meant that you know I had to do that, and that meant that Dave and Keem had to fly solo more so on their own, and they fly solo anyway. So I'm just really proud of those two guys. They're two young guys. They really kicked butt, um, did a great job when they had to, and, and they could have rolled over uh, after three straight TDs and said, oh, we can't stop these guys, but they didn't. They made an adjustment, and they were able to stuff them up. You can tell we're recording this before I've had a, a proper meal or, uh, for this <laughs> evening because i got to circle back to a reference you made earlier. Sure. You, you called a sack a cheesecake. I, I just I'm not what, – what is <laughs> – I don't know. You had me peaked when you said yeah, cheesecake. Yeah, I mean, what is, what is first that? off, That's I'm a big cheesecake fan. Okay. Um, I just love cheesecake. We actually had a unit that we were sending in that we called the cheesecake line. I don't know. I started calling, I started calling Saks cheesecakes at Malden Catholic um, because the the whoever had the most sacks in the game on the D when I was still a defensive line coach, positional coach, whoever had the most sacks in the game, I buy him a cheesecake. Um. And so we, from that, we started screaming, you know, I want that cheesecake. You know, defensive linemen would be looking over to the sideline going, I want that cheesecake, coach. I want that cheesecake. You know, and then so now I'm starting to yell in when it's third and 14, you know, hey, got to go get that cheesecake. Let's go get that cheesecake, you know, and, and uh, it kind of is just carried over. So, um, yeah. Eat that cheesecake. Well, I guess I have to ask then, Coach, what's your favorite uh, type of cheesecake? Oh, man, that's a really difficult question. I mean, when you go to the Cheesecake Factory, what do you I'm, want? Or do I'm, you go to the Cheesecake I, Factory I, I do sometimes. Oh. I haven't been in a long time. Um, I'm partial to anything that combines. I like red berries with my cheesecake. So okay. a good, strawberry good cheesecake or a raspberry cheesecake, maybe with a little caramel glaze over the top of it. Um, and, and it's got to be a good – you see, the, the, the crust base of the cheesecake now is what makes the cheesecake. Because if it's, if it's too moist, the, the top half is, is moist. You know? right. So I like, oh, sure. a, I like a little bit of crumble oh, in, yeah. in the Crunchy base of my crust, even. a little yeah. crunch in the yeah, base of my sure. crust. So sometimes cheesecake can get a little muddy in there. But, yeah, uh, um, yeah I'm a big cheesecake guy. And what's making up that crust? Is it got to be graham crackers? Oh, it's got to be graham. Okay. I mean, because I mean, some of the chocolate ones you get like – Crushed up chocolate wafers. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are there are a lot Oreo of Oreo cheesecake. There are a lot of people all around, around the world who do really basic things the wrong way, and I would say that, that <laughs> you know anybody who doesn't put graham on the base of their cheesecake is just making a making a big mistake. Yeah, you I want understand. a chocolate cake? Go get a chocolate cake. I'm, I'm with you, coach. No, I, I like <laughs> a little your, chocolate I, sauce drizzle over the top. No, now we're I like talking. You're thinking. Thank you. Uh, now, now, do you think New York makes the best kind of cheesecake? No. I mean, is that like the place to go? I and mean, that's what everyone talks about for like the good, the real good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna have to go ahead and plead the fifth on that. I don't want to. Okay. I, I, I don't like uh -oh. to give. I don't like to give New York any oh, more any more, any more credit than I should. Uh, New York. Does anyone in your family make a really New York? Good New York makes <laughs> a good. New York makes a good cheesecake. My yeah. mom can make a really good cheesecake. Okay. My grandma, before she passed, uh, my when, grandmother when made, she a good made cheesecake. cheesecake she too. could make a good cheesecake. Um, 
my grandmother made it kind of an old school kind. It didn't have a graham cracker crust, but it was uh, it was kind of more like a light airy mm. version of yep. it. She, it's kind of an old. I mean, it must be like a it's almost like a meringue or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, and it was good, but it was it was different. And out was, in the Midwest, I've had some really good cheesecakes, man. I mean, I'm a big Nebraska guy. I've been out in Nebraska a lot, and and I've had some really good cheesecake out in Nebraska. Never would have guessed that being a place to go. Listen, to. man, I, you know it is maybe out, for corn, but outside not. of New England, <laughs> Nebraska is my most visited state in the union really i love the state of nebraska go big red well what what do you like most about it i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna put your favorite non-new england state i'm gonna oh. write these down for you know, um why? my best my best i've friend never in, even been to nebraska so my best friend in college was uh was from nebraska he's okay. uh, uh, uh the punter on on the harvard football team his name was uh, adam kingston great athlete and yeah. he's a wide receiver in high school too and um Kinger and I drove out. I'd never been to the Midwest, so I like going places I'd never been. And Kinger and I drove out when we were maybe freshmen or sophomores in college. And uh, that was my first time out to Omaha. And um, I've been back multiple times since, um, also for the College World Series, which is a fantastic event. If you ever get an opportunity to go to Omaha for the College World Series. Now you're talking. That's um, the reason I would probably You really go. need to do it. That's yeah. something that should be on everyone's bucket list. It's a really cool sporting event. Um, For someone who's been to 16 Major League Baseball parks, you should do that. And everybody should get to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln if they can and see a Husker game Uh, because there's no other sport. There, there's no professional team, man. I mean, you, if you're rooting for baseball, you're probably a Royals fan or a Cubs fan. Football, professionally, you're rooting for the Chiefs. I mean, I have never seen a state that is more football crazy than Nebraska, and I lived in Louisiana. You know, so uh, but the people, man, the people are tremendously friendly and it's a very genuine um, it's a very genuine friendly um, and my kind of food, you know, steak. <laughs> yeah, steak. Love it. Great, great steak cut steak. And the Reuben sandwich was invented in Omaha, Nebraska. Was it really? It really was. And Warren Buffett, who is my favorite billionaire, lives in Omaha, Nebraska. You can go I, to his I house. I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you go to Warren Buffett's house. I've seen house. some photos of Omaha. It's a pretty looking city. It's a nice little it's, city. Yeah, yeah. And you go to Warren Buffett's house, and it's the most unassuming house for a billionaire that you've ever seen in your life. I love it. Yeah? It's a, yep. It's not ostentatious. It's a nice house. Don't get me wrong. He's right. Warren Buffett. Yeah. But it's not ostentatious. It's you a, know, there aren't like pillars at the front of the- No, nope, it's front got a heated driveway. That's the greatest amenity I saw from the naked eye. I yeah. didn't knock on the door or anything. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it does get cold there in the winter. Maybe not as it cold does. as here, but I mean, yeah, they get their yeah, share. It does. It can get pretty chilly. Wow. Um, so, yeah, big, big, okay. Lincoln's a good city, too. So, big Nebraska guy. All right. And I've been a Cornhusker fan since since that first time out. Yeah. I bet the barbecue must be really good there. You're not far from Kansas City. Yeah, right? it's I mean, not bad. You know. They're not like, it's not like KC, like where they're known for their barbecue. You right. go to Omaha, you want to get yourself a quality Nebraska steak. Okay. And not one of those, like, Mark, market Omaha steaks either. You want to get a, a quality oh, right, Nebraska yeah. butcher steak. So, I mean, I can't just drive two towns over to the right, Omaha like, steak or, store. Or there. like to the Wegmans now <laughs> yeah. where they sell that. No, you got no. to get yourself to, to Nebraska and get yourself a, a really, really, really good steak. And that was my first, my first intro to Nebraska. We walked in off the road, and Adam's dad is a doctor. Um, and uh, we walked in, and he, as soon as we walked in um, – Gave us a delicious beverage. This is a, a PG show, so oh. it's a delicious beverage. And threw four Omaha steaks on the grill, and I was I was like, I'm home. 
Uh, medium, medium rare, a uh, rare, uh, rare to medium rare. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say, I'm the, is there another? Is there another way to eat a nah, steak? Not really. No, I would be I very mean, disappointed you know. if somebody. I, I I have no patience for people yeah. who order their steaks beyond. There has medium to be rare. some pink or red in that steak, or yeah. else. It's and if like, it's a good cut point? of meat, I'll I'll go rare, like true right. rare, where it's just like eating the cow. I in like the, it. In the words of Homer Simpson, mm, steak. Mm, steak. <laughs> back to football, though. Yeah, back to football. Well, it's uh, hey, uh, well, you know, why don't we uh, get to? Well, let's get to this week's game. Sure. Uh, you know, it's Drake it, a yep. team that y- you faced last year. So yeah. this probably helps some f- some familiarity. Uh, you know, you still got to put through your your normal prep for the game. Yeah. But, uh, at least you can maybe kind of look back a little bit to some of the game film from last year and you know get an impression. Obviously, they've probably got a few changes to their roster, just like you do. Yours. Yeah, um, you know, it was a little bit of a wrangle to figure out what the games were going to be. Um, unfortunately for Drake, this will make three games on the road for them in the three bracket um, oh. in these three games, which, you know, really stinks for them. They had a home game the week before going into the consolation and um, or they, for they were a playoff team. Initially, they lost uh, and to Melrose and then their Thanksgiving Day game is at home. We were on the road the week before the consolation, and our Thanksgiving Day game is on the road. So initially, they wanted Belmont at Drake it, and we said no way. Um, and we were able to finagle a bagel and, and kind of get, get the game here at Harris. Um, they're a good football team. They're a little bit better defensively than they are offensively. They haven't scored a ton of points. Their defense is good. It does a lot of different things, and it does them pretty well. They got some good size, some good speed, big, tough kids. You know, we had to sit on the bus for an hour and a half and play them in the slop out at Drakeit. They have a grass field. It would, had been raining for nine hours. The field was a mess. Um, we're excited to, you know, be at home and get one last home game in front of the Harris Field crowd. We're going to have to take a step forward in our game from where we've been the last two weeks in order to be successful against them. Um, I would say that they're a better team than Cambridge and a better team than Burlington. And so if we want to beat them, no disrespect to either of those two teams, at all. I think Coach McKay has done a great job over at Burlington in his first year. Um, but we're going to have to take a step forward as a football team on both sides of the ball and in all three phases of the game to win. Um, so, you know, Middies always have a, a, a tough, hard-nosed football program. they got a couple of really big dudes who, who bring the lumber a little bit. So that's an exciting challenge for us. Yeah, and uh, on that note, why don't we uh, bring in this week's uh, – because we, we have a question on, on, yeah. the, on Twitter. Q's for Q, the hashtag. Love and it. we want to thank uh, David Lutz at, at Lutz North. Uh, you told me he is the parent of a former player of yep. yours. Uh, yep. Uh, David is uh, David is Austin's dad. Austin graduated my first year here. He was our, a senior captain and was our center. Um, and he's also uh, – the father of a marauder sophomore parker lutz so uh two lutzies okay uh, and then you know papa lutz is papa lutz and then we got big lutz and little lutz and mama lutz so there's you know we got a lot of love for the lutzies in our program and, and david and donna his wife do uh so much work to make our program go donna is the treasurer of the friends of belmont football group um you know They've been fantastic supporters of our football program, as have so many other people. I mean, if I got into that conversation, I'm, 
I'm spewing names for the next 20 minutes, but um, well, we love the Lutzes. Yeah, no, well, thanks to the Lutz family. I'm not sure which member of the family sent this It was question. probably Dave. It, it's his Twitter handle, so it says David Lutz got the little bulldog in yeah, the yeah, that's... avatar. Uh, again, David, thank you for uh, using the hashtag Q's for two, Q and getting the question out here. He asks, uh, why doesn't Belmont play music at football games like <laughs> all of the other schools that Good we question. visit? Adds to the atmosphere. Now, my, when I first saw this question uh, before we started uh, recording here, uh, I was kind of thinking, well, what about the band? I mean, right. You've got the Belmont Marching Band. I mean, why would you need to play music when you've got the band? But, Coach, uh, you have a better understanding yeah. as, to, as to David's question. Here. I think that Dave's referring to why don't we play music in the pregame. Um, I don't think anybody in our home games would want the, the, um, the Belmont band to be quiet because they're fantastic. They are. Um, that's, that was, and I don't <laughs> think that's what David was advocating okay. for or asking at all. Um, we don't have music in our pregame, which – a lot. Every other school that we play has music in the pregame. Um, we don't have music in the pregame for the same reason that we play our home games at six, which is that initially when Harris, uh, from what I hear, I, obviously I was this was before my time, but the initial agreement with the town in order to placate a homeowner who lived on Concord Ave stipulated that no external music would be played through the PA system of the stadium and the lights had to be off by a certain time. Right. And so the game starts at six and we're not uh, able to, we're not allowed to play music through the PA system of the field of the stadium. Um, that homeowner no longer owns that property, but the town agreement is from what I understand. And I'm just a humble football coach. Yes. The, the, town, <laughs> I know, I the town agreement is, is, uh, is still in place. Right. Uh, so we don't get our tunage. So, Sorry, Dave. There you go. Right. Um, I mean, you know, but uh, it's election season, so you know, call your call your local selectman. What town Co- town committee? Yeah, I don't. Right. I, again, humble football coach. I'm not yes. sure how Belmont's town government is. Well, let me ask. This is an alternative for the players, just for their warm ups and stuff. Could you put a couple like low speaker, like Bluetooth? Sound that is what. And, yep. That is what that like soccer has done. They've yeah. brought an independent speaker. Um, you know, we just haven't done that. Um, no real excuse for that. We totally could have done that. Um, we didn't. I think that a lot of time for us as coaches, you know, we're <laughs> we're jerks. Um, you know, we <laughs> we we are. We're jerks. We're jerks. We're 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 not jerks like to our kids, but in the sense of like, you know, it's not high on my priority list, and it and it should be. It should. I it should don't know be. if it should be that high. Your priority. It should be, and let me and let me tell you. Let me <laughs> okay. tell you why. Let me tell you why. You I, love, got, I know you love music. That's why I do right? love music, okay. I, but I have to, I have to tell you this story. Okay, uh, and it's a it's a paraphrase. So forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but I got the opportunity. I didn't get to play in the golf tournament this year because it's in September. So Larry, if you're listening, I'd love for it to be in like July so I could go play. But the <laughs> Belmont Booster Golf Tournament is in September, and um, every year after the tournament, it raises great money for Belmont. Not football specifically, just Belmont athletics in general. The boosters raise money for all of the programs throughout Belmont. They're a fantastic organization, um, and they do a lot for for sports. But every year, there's obviously a, a dinner after the the um, there's a dinner after the the golf tournament, sure. yeah. and they often will have a, a keynote speaker, a student speaker, and then a keynote speaker. And this year, the keynote speaker was Mike Whalen, who is the director of athletics at Wesleyan. Uh, and he went to school with Bill. He's a football guy. He had been the head coach of Williams football for a very long time. 
and then took the athletic director's job at Wesleyan, and he was kind of talking about rebuilding program culture and, and creating an atmosphere of excellence. Um, the best part of the story was the part where he talked about that for the 10 years that he was at Williams, every year when he saw Belichick at the Williams-Wesleyan game, Bill refused to talk to him because he was at Williams and not at Wesleyan. And then he said, I, I accepted the Wesleyan job. I took my wife out for a nice dinner to celebrate, and then we went home. And by the time I got home, there was a message on the machine that said, Mike, Bill Belichick here, New England Patriots. Great to have you back in the Wesleyan family. So excited about what you're going to do here. Call me if there's anything that you need, the organization, and I'll be happy to help you. But he, he ended up accompanying Bill on a clinic tour or a little clinic engagement. And Bill told this story, and this has stuck. Like, he told the story. I, was, I said, this is awesome. And this is why I say we need to take care of stuff like that. When Kraft hired Belichick, Belichick went around the organization and asked them, if you could change one thing, what would you change? And the most unified answer was the rug in the locker room. Everybody wanted this rug in the locker room to go. He said it was old, it was ratty, it was nasty, nobody liked it, it was uncomfortable, the color, it was horrible. Everybody, like, he didn't expect that, but all of these people coming back to him saying, Bill, the rug, coach, the rug's got to go. And so he goes to Kraft, and he says to Kraft, uh, Bob, I need you to pull the rug out of this locker room. And Bob Kraft goes, Bill, we're building you a billion-dollar complex. <laughs> Patriot Place, you know, Gillette yeah, Stadium. Right. That's coming next year. So, no, I'm not going to spend $70,000 or $100,000 to rip this rug out and put a brand-new rug in when we're just going to tear it out and move to the new facility in a year. That's ridiculous. Bill says, I don't care. It's got to go. Rug's got to go. Nobody likes the rug. Nobody's happy with the rug. Right? And the message of you got to pull the rug out, and he kept – hammering it and finally said something along the lines of, you know, you want me to, you want me to be your football coach? The rug's got, got to take the rug out, you know? And uh, the message of, of the whole thing is that when you're, when you're looking to build a culture of excellence, you know, there's, there's, no, there's nothing that's too small that, that is something that you should look at and say that doesn't need to be addressed. If it's something that's going to contribute to your team or your program, whatever sport it is, feeling more confident, being more committed to their job, um, being more excited to play the, the, the sport that they're playing, um, then it's important. Whether it's a rug or whether it's, you know, bringing down a couple of speakers or a Bluetooth thing so that my guys can listen to whatever horrible trap music song they're listening to now, you know, to hype them up before games. Um, I wasn't a big music guy in pregame. I liked my music in the locker room before I went out there, but I actually like the sounds of football um, myself, so I've never been – uh, big into music, although I got bagged by our, our resident photographer. The final countdown was playing at uh, Burlington. It's the final. Oh, yeah, you're up. Oh, yeah, don't get me started um, on 80s and music. And I couldn't That's help myself my, but right in my throw a little, like, shadow boxing montage in with Juicy and they, they with Coach Juice, and they got me in a – in a little bit of a shadow box. So, um, yep, that's the answer. Um, that's that's the answer to it. But maybe next year we'll do a little bit of work and see if we can't change the policy or, or even just, you know, get a little speaker down there so our guys can hear. 
Yeah. I'm still trying to envision Bill Belichick, like, you know, like, d- debating with Robert Kraft. I love stories. Getting a new rug. A new rug. <laughs> the, I love stories. The old uh, Sullivan's or the, uh, the Foxborough. Old Foxborough. Yeah. I mean, I, I love stories. And, and, and Mike, uh, missed the Coach Whalen, who gave a great, like, I was like, a, I was just soaking this thing up, man. He was great. Um, so he's very different. You know, obviously, I don't know Bill, so, uh, but he says he's a very different human being, you know, than what you see from. You know, obviously. I mean, we've been hearing that countless times over his career. Yeah, here, that, that he's actually know, quite warm and quite engaging, and he's he's fiercely, funny. fiercely loyal. He's very funny. Um, you know, I think that he's kind of mastered the art of telling people in the public sphere only what they need to know, if that. Yeah. Honestly, see that's that. kind of like you during these uh, talks we have every oh, week. We I come, talk. We way get to too see much. your whole personality. Where you know when you're on the football field, you're just a angry tyrant. I'm of not a coach. not at all. That's <laughs> so not. That's no, an no, unfair I'm... characterization. <laughs> I'm very. I'm very. Uh, no. As I've gotten, as I've gone along in this thing, I've gotten. I've gotten better. I think that would be a, a, an accurate characterization of me early on as a head coach. Um, definitely as a coordinator. You know, I got pulled aside by my athletic director at Stoneham to to sit down and have a really good talk about Dave Pignone about, you know, Q, you're a good coach, but you have to change this piece of yourself because nobody's going to hire you. You know, you're sprinting up and down the field and you're just, you know, it, it, it was a moment of making the show about me, you know, and, and um, I'm really grateful to Dave, to, to Dave Pignone for uh, and Coach Almeida, who was there too, for sitting me down and having this conversation about if you want to be the head guy, you've got to level, you know. And I'm still learning that, and I'm still working at that. I'm worlds better than I was three or four years ago. I've still had some moments, you know, where I get outside of myself. Cool I lose my bit. cool. I get I get outside of myself a little bit. Um, but you know, one of our fundamental rules in interacting with our players i never lose my i've i've i would say that in, especially in game i've never you know been a tyrant in the sense of how i treat my players you know it, our goal is to never make a player feel as though they're incapable of doing a job if we've done that we're bad coaches so there are moments that we've had very frank conversations <laughs> with somebody about a failure to do a job but you know still within that is um a ton of love so i yell but i'm i'm a, i'm pretty i'm pretty balanced dude i like to crack jokes on the sideline nobody gets to hear it. i think i'm hilarious my assistant coaches i think they don't think i'm they don't think i'm so funny i i thought i made a i thought i made a bunch of great jokes on the sideline at burlington you know and the chain gang the chain crew was laughing it up but you know my assistants they just they're a tough crowd i'll get them they're a tough crowd though it's a shame we can't like have you mic'd up for these games. We yeah. hear some like you know NFL film style. Yeah, I don't think you know. Maybe it. if I maybe if yeah. I you know right now I'm at 13 career wins. So when I get yeah. to when I get to 25 career wins, I'll let you guys mic me up. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Well, you know, as far as your your coaching abilities and everything, we'll get to. I'm looking forward to uh, our next show when we uh, hope to have. Uh, oh, that's always a good one. Uh, the senior captains in here. Of course, we'll be pre- previewing the uh, Belmont Watertown football game, the 96th all-time meeting between Man. the two. 
schools. Isn't that and, crazy? Uh, number four for you. And uh, yeah, <sighs> but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll break that down next time. We'll look forward to having the captains in here. Yeah, too, I'm sure all. they'll. I'm sure we'll find out from them the real truth about what you're like. You know as what? A coach. If you if you <laughs> if you ever want to know what what a coach is like, you, you'll yeah. you know we've got we've got five fantastic captains and um one thing that i love about all of them is that there there isn't a ton of pretense you know they're gonna they're gonna give you an on you ask you know you ask an honest question you're gonna get an honest answer um and and i think from from george and ty and caleb and and um noon um and jake that's always the case so i'm really excited for those guys to come in here and and uh We've been talking about it because as of today, Todd, we've got 10 practices. That's it. 10 more practices. Not counting games. You know, and... Um, you know what it is, Coach? It's crazy to think about that. It's the final countdown. It's the final countdown. <laughs> <laughs> the final 10. The top 10. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, these guys were our freshmen when we came in the first year. Right. So there's a special bond with this class. They've been, they've, you know, we said it in the locker room the other day. They, they've grown up with us you know, with our staff and, and with me. And um, every class that leaves that I've ever interacted with as a coach, I'm always sad to see them go. And, and there's a piece of me that misses them severely. Um, this class is going to be a little bit different in that regard because it's my first full four-year class um, as a head football coach. And they've been fantastic. And I'm hopeful that we're going to get an opportunity to send them out with with a win on Friday, and then hopefully a win on on Turkey Day. Yeah, well, and you know, hopefully we can get them all in here too. I'm looking forward to uh, they'll fit. A chance they'll to talk fit. To. Oh yeah, no, we'll look. well, I'm just hoping they're all available. That's oh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make we'll okay. make them we'll all make right. them available. Well, good enough for that, uh, Coach. Good luck against Drake at this week. Thank you. Uh, just want to, of course, remind everybody as we uh, wrap up this uh, this week's show. A reminder that all of our Toddcasts with Coach Q can be found online at BelmontMedia.org/slash podcasts and also on soundcloud.com by searching belmont media listen at your convenience by downloading the free soundcloud app available on both itunes and google play stores free apps those are the only kind i like i like those uh, <laughs> link, links to our weekly interviews with coach q are posted on both facebook and twitter become a facebook fan by uh, searching timeout for sports talk and again our twitter handle is at tostbmc uh, again thanks to david lutz for our uh, posting his question to the hashtag cues for q thanks papa lutz yes hopefully we'll get more of those uh next week as well, or and Belmont soccer is up three nothing at halftime against Bill Ricca. Oh, all right, go Marauders! Go yes, Marauders. We'll, we'll wrap up the fall tournament season on our next show as well. Our big Thanksgiving extravaganza uh, coming up on our uh, our next uh, Toddcast here. So until next week, for Coach or for till our next time for Coach Q, I'm Todd Bloniars. Thank you for checking out the TOST Toddcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. <laughs>